VN. Good afternoon. Welcome to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. Well, another Monday is upon us, and I don't know about you guys, but I, I jokingly said to Mike Suslow, I thought I had to clean my glasses today when I took a look at those numbers. We are going to talk about what happened. Those 12s changed to 11s very fast on the beans, especially when we look at it from a cash perspective. We do have that pre-report feel going on in the market, but there's a lot of other influences that are in there, including what's going on with coal prices, uh, China buying pork you know they're back now after holiday of last week uh mad cow in great britain so a lot of factors that are really affecting the trade today so we're going to dive right into it as you heard me mention mike suzalo joins us today he's with global commodity analytics and let's talk about these 12s changing to 11s ahead of tomorrow's report what are your thoughts on what's going on in these soybeans you know i was hoping that we would have more of this price action when we had more information after tomorrow's report because we really did have a dearth and kind of a a black hole of information given columbus day holiday and there's not going to be any kind of crop progress numbers no export inspection susan so we went home friday thinking that brazil and argentina were way too dry and that La Nina was starting to build. That was being talked about a lot last week, and, and we were kind of pinning that up against the upcoming report. And we also had on our side not just crude oil markets, but also the natural gas markets and also the palm oil markets. And I think what we had today develop was, in essence, the natural gas gave up, profit-taking came in, soybean oil profit-taking came in. So we lost those two elements of support which that doesn't bother me that much, but what does bother me a little bit more, especially if we, we lose this 1231 uh, October low that we put in last week. We lost it today, but I'm not going to include today and not count today technically. But if we lose 1231 tomorrow going home, um, I'm going to be a lot more nervous about it because of the fact that I think the rains in Brazil uh, really raised questions to the La Nina longs. And I think one of the things that I don't know if you and I talked about this the last time we spoke, but it's real important to keep in mind as a U.S. producer, especially as you bring up those cash bean prices dropping below twelve the $12 handle, we do have quite a bit of soybeans still left to sell in South America. The South American farmer, both the Brazilian and the Argentine producer for soybeans, uh, between the weather being super dry for them, the currency rates, the uncertainty about what the U.S. crop is, they've been holding on. And so as we harvest, if USDA comes up with a big number tomorrow and we happen to shoot over 300 million bushels on U.S. carryover, it may trigger the South American farmers to start to sell more. And, and I think that's really important to keep in mind as we go into the second half of October and, and head into November as well, because I've, I've been of the opinion for quite some time that it would be better to make more room on farm for corn as we go through harvest, let go of soybeans off the combine if you have to make room for corn or make room for one, and then look to buy back in the soybeans later, maybe up against more of a weather threat in Argentina or Brazil come December, January, somewhere around that time period. As you look at this report that's coming out tomorrow, we've seen a lot of pre-report estimates that have been shared with with different organizations. Is there anything that makes you um, nervous or or excited to see what these numbers have to say tomorrow? I mean, it's an October report, which usually doesn't bring a lot of uh, flame and glory. 
I think the biggest thing I would say, Susan, is I'm more nervous about soybean yields because the technicals of what's going on in the soybeans right now and the fact that you look at the exact opposite of that and the oat market had another record high day today in lead month futures. You've got the corn underpinned, uh, China's northeastern and far and, and deep eastern corn belt, which makes up about 20 to 30 percent of the corn production, has had some tremendous flooding. And uh, I shared some video footage uh, with clients and subscribers last week, late in the week, about that. I, I just feel as though the corn remains underpinned, especially when it comes to South American competition. So I'm more nervous about USDA coming in and raising prematurely or earlier than anyone would expect uh, the soybean yield tomorrow. And either that or cutting back on the demand enough that we take the stocks-to-use ratios, uh, both domestically and, and especially globally, um, to fresh highs. We're coming in right around uh, about a 26% stocks-to-use ratio uh, as of the September report, and an ending stocks number just under 100 million metric tons for world beans uh, carryover. I, I really don't want that number, either of those numbers, to grow because you start looking at numbers like that where you're looking at three almost four year highs in some of these world numbers and then you see a 300 and up against the united states carryover number uh, it starts to make i think the trade wonder why are we sitting up at this high of a level in soybeans so I, i'm much more nervous about soybeans i feel generally speaking soybeans are a wild card they can lead the corn higher tomorrow if they don't get a negative report or they can pull the corn down and, and corn gives way uh, because of the spreaders have already been buying corn and selling beans uh, to quite an extent here the last couple weeks. Let's talk about coal and how that seems to be having a, a hold on our markets as well today. Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up because the the, the power generation in China right now, I mean, you, you hear things like they're going to buy more natural gas, and, and they probably will. But I think you have to realize that almost 60% of all the generation of power in China is coal-based. And, and thermal coal in Asia right now, just as of this morning on the close over in Asia, is up about 400% since making a 14-year low last September. And this has been something I've really been looking at closely uh, simply because of the way China is going back to more of a central planning and a more command economy when it comes to whether you're looking at their real estate market and what's happening with Evergrande, uh, what, what they're doing in their energy markets. I mean, here we were just at a 14-year low uh, last September. Why did China decide to go ahead and cut back on their coal consumption when they needed, needed it the most coming out of, uh, of COVID? We do have a lot more coming up. Look at the livestock after this on the Fontenelle Final Bell. At Fontenelle Hybrids, we hear a lot from our customers and dealers that we have a family feel to our organization. Just ask Doug Bartek, a Fontenelle dealer at Wahoo, Nebraska. I feel Fontenelle is very family-oriented. They care a great deal about their customers and provide updates on what could be occurring out in the field and what to watch out for. I feel fortunate to work with a great group of people who provide a quality product. For more on being part of the Fontenelle family, just go to Fontenelle.com. Always read and follow grain marketing and all other stewardship practices and pesticide label directions. 
on now. Final bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. We're continuing this conversation with Mike Zuzalo, and we got to talk about China. They're back in the market. They were obviously off last week, Mike, because of the holiday, but they're in buying pork. And I think maybe some thought maybe we'd see some more beef purchases, but nobody's going to turn away a, a buy like this. No, and I think it's really a neat market to watch here as we go into the WASD report, Susan, for the simple fact that um, we had a limit-up move in China's hog futures this morning of, of about 8% after the news broke that China was buying the pork for their state reserves. And yet we did not see any kind of similar price reaction here at the Mercantile Exchange today. And I would say to you that the major reason that probably was is because of how strong the funds are playing that pork and bean trade that you and I have talked about a lot before where the the lead month futures for soybeans, the lead month futures for hogs have been trending very closely with one another for the better part of 2021. And in fact, uh, on like a 16-week basis for those lead month futures, their prices uh, between beans and hogs are running at about 90% positive relationship or 90% positive correlation. And it's been that high since early September. And so I think this is where the WASD report and what we talked about in our first segment really does matter to the hogs and to the pork sector uh, as we go forward after the report. And if the soybeans go lower, is that going to trim the bullish enthusiasm to buy hogs uh, here at the Mercantile Exchange until the beans make a low, and I think that's a real likelihood. And then that could kind of spill over because everybody's getting more price sensitive with the inflation, whether it's food inflation or energy inflation. We're coming up on the holidays, and we're going to be consuming and buying a lot more traditionally because of getting together with families. Um, it's probably going to make a big difference in what the grocery bills and the restaurant bills look like as far as maybe consumers turning away from beef and towards the pork if the hog market goes down in this really critical time phase that we're getting ready to open up the ham seasonal. So that's kind of some of the stuff I'm trying to look around the corner in, in terms of what's the upside potential for the cattle. And a, you know, a great portion of this does depend upon China, and it depends upon pork as well. We saw a mixed trade in the live and the feeder cattle. I mean, the nearbys were, were down just a smidge. But what's happening in Great Britain and, and the case of Mad Cow, did our markets react like you thought they would? No, they really didn't. I mean, I felt like the the bear spreading we saw today probably should have been bull spreading if you see China come in and say, okay, we're going to renew our ban on cattle under 30 months of age. Um, maybe we'll go ahead and, you know, buy into the Feb and, and maybe buy into the Dece, but why buy the back end? And so maybe some of it was BSE, mad cow related, um, because of the age of the cows that, the, that they were not going to take on. Uh, but I think it really more boiled down to um, the technicals and the fact that we did have a holiday. We didn't have a lot of information on the cash market to go by. The 100-day moving average in December fat cattle, we have not been we had not been able to get above that on a closing basis going all the way back since early September until late last week. And we were able to do that late last week. And I was actually hoping to see some buy stops get uncovered and then that would propel another dollar to two dollar gain and get me up to that overvalue level for December that I peg at about 134. Um, but we weren't able to do that yet. So again, kind of like what we've been talking about with the other grains and, and meats, 
I'm going to wait to see what the WASD numbers look like for beef exports. Hopefully, USDA will increase beef exports, um, especially since the most recent Chinese update uh, from the USDA attache kind of suggested that to me, that the beef was very solid footing, whereas the pork maybe not so much so. Um, and see if we can't get some buys uh, after the report comes out tomorrow. Is the South still pretty much caught up when it comes to, to cash at this point? I think it is, but I also wonder that in another couple weeks, what I'm hearing from ranchers right now is that we're looking at probably another big uh, uh, onslaught of market-ready fats in the south. And and I'm wondering whether that might not be pulled forward if it continues to rain and they get sloppy. Um, And and then they have to worry about that as far as uh, uh, extra costs and and, and transportation issues and, and just not looking as good. So that's something that I think, it looks like our weather pattern in the southern plains and in the southern corn, western corn belt has kind of changed here. And I think that might impact how our cash marketings develop here in the second half of the month. So the funds, the good news is the funds are very, very uh, low on their net long positions. I want to say live cattle, they're the smallest net long position since going all the way back to last September, October. So about the lowest net long position in about a year. So that's good news. All right. The best way for folks to get a hold of you. Best way is go to globalcomresearch.com. It's globalcom with two M's, research.com. Sign up for a trial or just type a question in the comments and I will get back to you. All right. That is today's Fontenelle Final Bell with Mike Zuzalo. Just a reminder, commodity futures and options involve substantial risk of loss and they're not suitable for all investors. That is the Fontenelle Final Bell being brought to you by Fontenelle Hybrids and all your local dealers on the Rural Radio Network.